Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debate, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Uh, this is episode 71 of the Canadians Connection Podcast, the Jake Evans edition. And uh, I'm pleased to be joined in studio by the Jake Evans to my Joel Hanley, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, how have you been the last week? How are you doing today? Well, you know what? It's it's uh, Valentine's Day weekend, so um, yeah. just want to, to spread love and joy and positivity <laughs> uh, in this podcast. And uh, actually, you mentioned uh, two number 71s that uh, um, we can speak uh, pretty fondly about. Uh, Jake Evans is having, a, you know, his introduction to the NHL has, has gone pretty well. Um, yeah. And Joel Hanley, um, um, you know, a guy that I always like talking to, mobile defenseman, played for the Ice Caps, um, uh, the, the Canadians, ten games, six assists, something like that. He went on a bit of a streak way back in 2015-16. So um, still playing in in, in the Dallas organization. I think he's with the Texas Stars right now. And Dallas, of course, coming into. Um, Montreal tonight or actually sitting waiting for the Canadians to get back from Pittsburgh uh, into tonight. So isn't that a wonderful, positive way to start this, this uh, episode uh, 71 of the Canadians connection podcast? Certainly. I think it's been a, it's been a long week. I think we were discussing before we went on the air. It's been a bit of a long week for the Montreal Canadians. Certainly a lot that we're going to talk about in this episode. It's going to include the Shea Weber injury that we're going to get to in the second segment. Um, you know, there's been some play over the last week that hasn't been great for Montreal, as evidenced by a three-game losing streak. So, so let's just dive in. Okay, so last week, Montreal plays in Toronto against – or, excuse me, in Montreal against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And they find a way to win 2-1 to one in overtime after they, they allowed a goal in the third period to John Tavares – um, after that goal, Montreal all over the Leafs. Granted, as I was, we were talking about before we went on the air. This is the third time Montreal's played the Leafs this year. All three times, the Leafs have been on the second night of a back-to-back. So there's that. Um, <laughs> but Marco that Gendel soft schedule we first. talked about right from the beginning of of the season. Yeah. Um, that doesn't come around every year, and uh, <laughs> Canadians haven't necessarily taken advantage uh, of the kindness from the schedule makers. Yeah. So this in this instance, they found a way. They they kind of took the scenic route, but they found a way to get those two points. Uh, and a come from behind victory. Marco Scandello scored his first as a half. Ilya Kovalchuk the game winner um, after Carey Price kicked the puck up. It was a really heady play from Carey Price. Uh, Nick Suzuki chased down the puck after Carey Price had kicked it out. And then uh, Nick Suzuki went all alone in on Jack Campbell. Campbell with the poke check following up was Ilya Kovalchuk because, you know, he's a, he's a prolific goal scorer. That's what they do. They, they're opportunists. They know when the time comes and uh, 
that was certainly the case for Ilya Kovalchuk last week. Um, but then things went downhill. <laughs> the Montreal Canadiens playing the Arizona Coyotes. They jump out to a two-goal lead early, um, less than a minute in. Jake Evans, as I said, the aforementioned Jake Evans, scored his first NHL goal. He's been a real bright spot over the last little while. Uh, a minute later, Brendan Gallagher scored to double the Canadiens' lead. Um, however, Derek Stepan scored a few minutes later to cut the lead in half. Um, the Habs had a prolonged five-on-three, a minute 39 of five-on-three play. They were not able to capitalize on that. Um, and then they allowed two more goals to the Arizona Coyotes that went unanswered. They lose that one three to two. And the schedule did was not kind to them for the next two games. They were playing the league best Boston Bruins, and they looked like the league best Boston Bruins when they beat the Montreal Canadiens four to one. Montreal did not put up much resistance in that one. Nick Suzuki scored his twelfth of the season. Um, but this one this was a game that was had was sort of overshadowed by other incidents that we are going to talk about just a little bit later on that included uh, one Zidane O'Shara. Uh, so we'll get to that in just a bit. Um, but then last night, rare Friday night game for the Montreal Canadiens, uh, they lose 4-1 to to the Pittsburgh Penguins because, you know, Sidney Crosby and stuff. Uh, <laughs> Sidney Crosby and Penguins newcomer Jason Zucker uh, tore the halves apart. Zucker scored a late goal in the second period after Tomas Tatar had gotten the Canadiens back within one. And uh, that just kind of sucked all the life out of the Montreal Canadiens' potential to go into the third period with some momentum. It completely evaporated. And, uh, yeah, it was not a pretty picture last night for the Montreal Canadiens. They lose that one 4-1. to one. So the Montreal Canadiens are obviously in a bit of a hole here, and they still believe that they can make the playoffs. Um, but this three-game slide is not going to help. Um, so, Rick, what has caught your eye from the last three games in particular. Yeah, it was, it was a, a, a tough week, um, a tough week uh, defensively. Um, and I think that's had a, a real uh, impact on the Canadians offense with them playing uh, so poorly defensively. The forwards have had to, uh, you know, help out, try to help out. And, uh, that's really limited um, the Canadians' uh, effectiveness on uh, on offense, and and certainly the power play hasn't hasn't helped either. Um, you know, back to in the last uh, six weeks uh, at a at an eight percent uh, clip, um, uh, worst in the the NHL, and and the power play we thought was one of those things that had been fixed, but um, it it has not, and and we thought that that that's where. Uh, Ilya Kovalchuk would certainly make an impact. Um, he's helped with, you know, game winners and and, uh, and one of which you, you mentioned. Uh, but uh, it hasn't been uh, a big impact on the power play. That's been a that's been a real uh, difficulty. And and there's there's been a lot of uh, this week. You know, I we've talked a, a lot about uh, Mark Bergevin and the roster assembly, and 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 certainly, you know, much of what we're seeing uh, sits with him, and 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 there's no question about that. And I think, for the most part, um, Claude Julian has kind of got a pass. Uh, uh, 
by, by, from fans and, and maybe media um, about his role in this, because what can he do with the roster he's been given? But, you know, there's, there's some things that we, we've seen this week. Um, there was another bench minor uh, this week. The Canadians uh, co-lead the league in bench minors uh, with yeah. 12. Um, that's a coaching issue, um, in my opinion. Um, and then um, last night, uh, another goal um, scored in, in the last minute of a period, uh, allowed in the last minute of, uh, of a period, after the Canadians had, had um, you know, got their own goal in the last minute of the period. Um, there was some confusion whose goal it was, uh, Suzuki or Tatar. It ended up being Tatar's goal. Um, and but then right after that, uh, the Canadians gave up um, uh, another goal. Um, that's 16 goals this season in the final minute of a period, not including empty netters, um, but towards the end of the period. And those are just momentum changers. Um, those can be game chain, uh, changers. And, and we heard Claude Julien last night after the game saying um, that third goal, that was uh, Mizuka's second goal, um, that was the, the goal that really hurt us, the goal at the end of the second period. Uh, that was the dagger, uh, said Claude Julien. Um, and I, I just... Uh, uh, yes, I, I'm, I'm right there with the coach, but it was the coach that at that point in the game, after the Canadians had, had cut the, the deficit to one and had got some momentum, and could have been down two to one going into the third period, Claude Julien decided to send out the third line. And the third line was had been struggling all night. It was uh, the third line being Domi Duran and Nick Cousins uh, before the game, lineup adjustment. Um, Claude Julien had dropped uh, uh, Arturi Lekkonen as if he was the issue <laughs> to the fourth <laughs> line uh, and, and promoted his you know, favorite son, uh, Nick Cousins, because uh, that was going to be the big fix. And, and that trio was dreadful all game long. Domi in a funk. Uh, Drouin, he's completely lost. Drouin uh, doesn't look like he's even trying out there. Um, and that was the line. And, and granted, uh, Brett Kulak, who's, who didn't have a good week either, he blew the coverage. Uh, but it was that line that was on the – that's a coaching, that's a coaching error. Um, and, and, it, and it cost his team. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it struck me as, as you know, where – I, I, th- I think, as I said, uh, Claude Julien gets a bit of a pass, but I, I thought, um, you know, he's seen as a, as a successful coach, but just why don't, why don't I take a look at, at exactly where, <laughs> where he is? Because we like to, you know, bust myths, uh, and we can tell the truth uh, as much as we can. And um, Claude Julien has missed the playoffs five of the, the last six seasons. Five of the yeah. last six seasons. Is that a surprise? Um, and the only, in the past six seasons, the only time his team made the playoffs was three years ago. We remember, we just celebrated Valentine's Day yesterday. Three years ago on Valentine's Day, that's when Michelle Terrian was fired. Claude Julian brought in. He had been out of work for about a week, having been fired by the Bruins. 
Uh, and three years ago, the Canadians were in a playoff spot at that time. Uh, all Claude Julien had to do was to uh, maintain that level, to to keep them in the playoffs for the the coaching the two the Canadians for two months of the regular season, and that's the only time in the last uh, uh, six seasons that that he's made the playoffs, um, where he coached a, a a a partial team. So it's been seven seasons since he's taken a team from the beginning of the season right to the end and made the playoffs um, with his treatment of, of, of the young, younger players, um, the, the bench management that we just talked about. Um, and um, the fact that, that he's, he's not uh, been successful for some time now. Yeah. Um, Claude Julien has got to take, he's got to take his fair share of, of um, and and I think that's likely what's going to happen. Claude Julien is going to um, be the sacrificial lamb, um, but but he, he you know he's he's earned it. Um, and uh, there's been eight coaches, uh, some some pretty prominent coaches uh, fired this this season. Um, my I I gotta wonder if Claude Julien is next. Yeah. That's a that's a good question, and I mean I believe if if I remember correctly in the in your game recap last night, it said that the last time he coached a full season was 2013-14, where they got to the playoffs, and that wasn't yesterday. <laughs> that was that was quite a while ago. So it's it's not been a very successful stretch for Claude Julian, and you are I think in the right to question whether or not he might be the next domino to fall, uh, in in, in terms of coaching. We saw Bruce Boudreau just get the axe the other day in Minnesota. Um, it's, it's, it's a good question. And I remember earlier this season when the Montreal Canadians were struggling, it didn't take Claude Julien very long to remind everyone that he's got a championship ring around his finger when he started to feel a little bit of that pressure coming his way. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this all sort of unfolds for Claude Julien, uh, behind the bench, but the team, that one, Claude of the Julien, things, yeah. one of the things he said last night and kind of struck, um, I don't know, me a little funny. Um, he said, we're going to have to go on, and I'm, uh, this I'll, I'll, I'll have the quote in front of me, so uh, I'm not paraphrasing here. He said, we're going to have to go to get on a really good winning streak if we plan on getting back into the hunt. Oh, okay. <laughs> how, how, good, uh, how good a winning streak are the Canadians going to have to uh, get on um, to get back in, into the hunt? Uh, to get into mm. the playoffs, um, I mean the 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 chances of 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 getting into the playoffs are down around um, one, I, I saw one percent um, uh, for for uh, I think it was Sports Club stats and three percent for the Athletic. The Canadians have to they basically they have 22 games left they basically have to win 19 yeah. more or less or or go 18 2 and 2 um so they're looking at at losing between okay it's february 15th and the season goes to april 4th they're looking at losing say three games maximum 
for the, yeah. for this period in order to make the playoffs. Is that going to happen? Is that <laughs> how decisions are being? And I understand you don't come out and say we're out of the playoffs, but they asked the players and the players said, you know, our, our focus is narrowed. We're looking at the next game. We're, we're sticking together as a team. We're, we're, we're looking for two points. Um, all those kind. that's fine. But to say that, that, uh, we're going to get on a winning streak. We're going to have to get on a winning streak here to make the playoffs. Um, it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's 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 just not. I mean, for a team, especially a team that has lost in the stretches that the Montreal Canadiens have, have lost, the streaks that they have had this season, currently on a three-game losing streak, already with two eight-game winless streaks under their belt, to bet on a team like that, finding any level of consistency at the toughest time of the year, it's just not going to happen. I'm sorry. It's, you have to face reality at some point. And uh, I think this week with losses against the likes of, I mean, the way that they lost to Arizona, that has to be debilitating losing to the Bruins and being thrown around and ragdolled the way they were. I mean, it's, it's at some point you have to just face facts and face the truth. And the Montreal Canadians are not good enough this year. That is, that is, that's just what it is at this point. So with that said, uh, we talked about the Boston Bruins and we talked about Montreal putting up very little resistance against the Boston Bruins and Zdeno Chara in that game felt comfortable enough to uh, cross check Brendan Gallagher in the neck, the throat. Uh, there was some talk that it mostly from, from Bruins fans that it caught a little, mostly the shoulder and then the, the, the throat. But when you watch it, you, you can kind of see that it catches mostly uh, Brendan Gallagher's neck. And of course, as momentum sort of does his neck snap back, Zidane Chara mocked him for embellishing or be- he believed that he embellished. Anyways, um, <laughs> Zidane Chara was fa- fined $5,000 by the Department of Player Safety for that. And um, it's kind of gotten overshadowed now by the Zach Cassian thing, um, kicking uh, a guy that wasn't great. Um, But Zidane Chara, as he is one to do, treating a head of a Montreal Canadian like a child playing whack-a-mole in the arcade. Um, What did you make of that incident, the Brad Marchand spearing of Jeff Petrie that also occurred in that game, which was a little bit overshadowed. And do you think that maybe having Shea Weber on the ice would sort of deter a guy like Zidane Chara from doing what he did? Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I absolutely <laughs> do. Um, Shea Weber is, is uh, underappreciated uh, of, of, what he bring? I mean, you can talk about his shot and his effectiveness on the power play, but um, what what he brings to to the team the the intimidation factor, the the size factor, the he's he's one of the more respected uh, players in the league, and and uh, that that was just that the, the incidents that happened in that game were just ugly, and yeah. um, it, it, it I'm kind of amused by those that that say that the um the, the Bruins Canadians rivalry is dead and there's no there's no passion that exists there's no uh intensity well even in a game where um that the Bruins you know they were in control uh most of the game um there was still that intensity and um and and the 
uh, the fans as well. Yeah, as I, I read a, where is it here? There's a tweet from a Bruins fan, um, Bruce Kelhorn on uh, Twitter. There was absolutely no contact between Chera's stick and baby Gally's throat. If there were, he'd be in the hospital. Look at the proof and prove me wrong. And he's taken a screenshot of the video. Yeah. Uh, of of the 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 shaft of the stick about two inches away from Gallagher's face. Well, let the video play, and I I guarantee you there was substantial contact yeah. between Chera's uh, stick and and Gallagher's throat. And uh, you know our All Habs fan page on Facebook. My goodness, both <laughs> Canadians and and Bruins fans. Um, tens and tens of thousands of, of engagements and comments. And uh, it was, it was a dumpster fire over there of, of uh, uh, Bruins and Canadians fans interacting <laughs> with lively commentary, uh, particularly about the, the chair on Gallagher. And then once he got the, you know, absolutely meaningless $5,000 fine, he makes $2 million a season and has made, a ton of money in his career. Uh, $5,000 is, is meaningless to him. Um, the, the, the comments there are amazing. If, if you, and, and they're still coming in, they were still coming in this morning <laughs> when I last checked. Uh, if you want to add your comments, um, uh, you know where it is. The, the all Habs fan page on Facebook, just search for all Habs. And there's uh, a variety of, of posts there that, that you can add your comments to. It, it really doesn't take much to light the fuse for the Montreal Canadiens and Boston Bruins and their fans to go after each other. And yeah, Zdeno Chara cross-checking the neck uh, of Brendan Gallagher, who, by the way, has just recently returned from having a concussion. Um, you know, that was something. And I think that that might be something too, is that if you're going to talk about repeat offenders in terms of guys that have a, that have a habit of going after guys' heads, I think you should also look at guys that have a history of head injuries. Now, whether or not you want to look at that as being preferential in terms of whether or not you give a guy a stronger punishment because he hits a guy that has a history, I know that that might draw some sort of a, you know, a reaction from some people, but I think that it's something to consider with everything that we know. And obviously it doesn't matter who it happens to concussions are debilitating and they suck. So you want to make sure that, people are protected from having things like that happen to them. Um, and yeah, so yeah, Zdeno Chara getting a $5,000 fine, that isn't going to deter him from doing that again. I really, you have to be, you have to be uh, crazy to think that Zdeno Chara is going to be stopped from doing that by a $5,000 fine. There has to be a stronger message here sent by the department of player safety. Um, but regardless, uh, it is, it's the Boston Bruins. And uh, that, that kind of thing happens when you play the Boston Bruins. Um, and as is evidenced by, and you pointed out, the, the spearing incident with Brad Marchand and Jeff Petrie as well. It was just, it was, it was quite the game against the Boston Bruins. And, and yeah. we, should, we should say that um, the officials, um, yeah. there, there, there should be some discussion about that too. But because the whole um, Gallagher-Chara incident, um, each received two minutes for uh, yep. two minute minors. Um, 
I think one for roughing, one for cross-checking or whatever, but um, two-minute minors on that, it, the the refs blew it. And, and again, as you say, the Marshawn Spear completely missed. Um, yeah. The officials have to uh, take better control. Uh, and I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I don't tend to, to listen to the, the conspiracy theories, but, um, Boston's on the favorable end of this stuff far too often. And, and the coziness between Jeremy Jacobs and Gary Bettman is well known. And, um, like I say, I don't, I don't necessarily buy into it, but I can understand why people were, why fans were talking a lot about that after the, the Bruins uh, Canadians game. Yeah. And well, and we'll, we'll move on from that. But I think the one thing that I believe you believe, and Chris Nyland, uh, he pointed out too, that having today, having Zidane Ochera out there, if you have Shea Weber out there too, I don't think, Today, Ochara even thinks about doing that to uh, to Brendan Gallagher. I just I don't believe that he does that, and that's the value of having a guy like Shea Weber. Um, and some people, you know, don't don't agree with that, but that that's just it. Um, so moving on, there was a trade earlier in the week that involved the former Montreal Canadian Alex Galchenyuk, who was included in a package that the Penguins uh, sent to acquire the aforementioned Jason Zucker. Um, so Galchenyuk, it was a first round pick as well. And world junior standout, Kalen Addison that went from Pittsburgh to Minnesota. And, you know, it's, it's been a bit of an adventure for, for Alex Galchenyuk and it, it hasn't been a kind road to him and, and people in Montreal last year, if you remember, we had this conversation about people that thought that, you know what, Montreal's won that trade, the Alex Galchenyuk, Max Domi trade. It's it's a surefire thing. Like they've won it. They've they've won that trade. Um, but you know, it's it's been difficult for Alex Galchenyuk to find his footing. But the one thing that has come out this week after that trade, I found it was a tweet from uh, Seth Roba, and I apologize if I mispronounced that. But he said, with Alex Galchenyuk, I can't say I've ever seen a player work so hard for so little success. He would work on little things after practice, bank plays off the boards or crossovers to the point of exhaustion. And all it led to was five goals. Here's to better days uh, for him. And, you know, it got me thinking about the situations that Alex Galchenyuk has been in and the fact that there are people in Montreal, and and we talked about it with Jesperi Kotkaniemi, where people were talking about, oh, like, is his dad too involved now and all this and that, talking about comparing him to... Alex Galchenyuk and and the one thing that you know I'm going to I'm going to talk about here is the fact that Alex Galchenyuk he works hard. That tweet there from a guy that follows the Pittsburgh Penguins, he worked hard this season to get into Mike Sullivan's good books. He is somebody that has put in the effort, has put in the sweat equity, the input equals output. He's tried to get back on track in his career. A former 30 goal scorer who wasn't in a really good position in Montreal because of the instability shifting between center and left wing and right wing, even (laughs) like he just did not have a position. They just shifted him around all over the place and he wasn't able to really develop because of that. Then he goes from there to Arizona, um, deals with a bunch of injuries at the start of the season. He just doesn't, you know, Arizona is not a great place to be. 
for any for any hockey player. Um, then he goes to Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh. They have their guys who they believe in, Mike Sullivan. It's going to be hard to crack his, his lineup and be given a lot of opportunities because there are so many guys there that he trusts more just from experience alone. So for Alex Galchenyuk, I genuinely hope and, and, and I, I believe in my heart of hearts that the sun will shine on Alex Galchenyuk because he's somebody that is put in the work. He's not resting on the fact that he is a third overall pick who's got supreme talent. He is putting in the work. Minnesota is a place that he can go to now where there's not going to be a lot of pressure on him. All he has to do is go out there and make the most of the opportunities he's going to get on a team that is okay, but not great, not bad, uh, you know, but not, they're, they're not great, but they're not terrible. Like there's opportunity there for him. And I think this is going to be the, the place that sticks for him. I really do. It, it's, um, it's it's so easy for um, fans, particularly those who who are the the Bergevin cheerleaders, to to use players as as a punching bag. And and uh, Pacioretty is one, Galchenyuk's another, uh, and kind of create this caricature of the player that that's not all that accurate. And and now the organization has undoubtedly contributed to that. Um, you know, we know that that Bergevin and Julian were both relentless in their their vicious criticism of Galchenyuk publicly, um, and and you know, was his dad too involved? Or they're off. I say, you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but that's... but maybe we, as we've spoken about before, if the organization was more involved with their younger p- players, with their prospects. Um, and if they were involved in in supporting them, in in supporting them off ice, as we've talked about, and helping guide them, and the other lesson um, that that all continue to preach is just how important development is. And I know there's people out there that that say, um, oh well, look, he's he's gone to another organization, and the same things are happening, but. But the thing is that that development has long term effects on a player. Development, yeah. as soon as you're out of the organization, it just doesn't disappear and you start again because you're already uh, then you're not uh, able to learn the lessons you should have learned when you were a young prospect. There are carryover effects uh, to 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 that negativity, and and I think that's what's happened with with Galchenyuk. Um, and as you said, it's not uh, a work ethic issue. Uh, Mike Sullivan, uh, several times this season, and Mike Sullivan is a tough coach. Um, yeah. I, 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 I think, I, I, and we might talk about this a different time, but I, I, was, um, I was surprised that Eric Ingalls got, got the eye-opening of his life going to uh, Pittsburgh Penguins practice this week. And he was like, oh, my God. And, and, and so much so that, that Engels interviewed uh, uh, Sullivan and in the scrum asked about, uh, is, this, is this usual? Is this, are your practices usually this intense? I know I'm an outsider here, but is, is this different? <laughs> and Mike Sullivan just said, no, this is the, we practice like we play. We prepare yeah. for game scenarios. We're, we're you know, 
We're, we're creatures of habit. We, and, and we're demanding and our, our leaders are demanding. And um, he was nothing but complimentary to um, Alex Galchenyuk and his workload. And if, if Galchenyuk can, can survive and be complimented in that situation, then he's doing the right things. He's just not found an ability to be comfortable and be the player he can be. And, and I think he's, you know, he's all in his head right now um, yeah. trying to figure out what he's supposed to be. And, and um, I hope maybe under, um, you know, not, not such a prominent organization. I don't mean to disparage the wild, uh, but out of the limelight a bit um, that he'll be able to find his, his groove. And, and I hope he does um, yeah. because he is, and, uh, you know, again, this goes back to some of the comments about, oh, Galchenyuk was a bad pick. No, he wasn't a bad pick. We proved that a few weeks ago on the podcast when we went through the different um, uh, draft years and, and the best. Galchenyuk was far and away the most productive uh, player from that particular draft. He was the right pick for the Canadians. Yeah. Just the development and the transition were poor. Um, so, you know, I'll join you in saying that uh, let's 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 go against the trend here and hope for the best for uh, Alex yeah. Galchenyuk. Is you don't want anybody because this, this you know social media has become such a like this sort of a cesspool for this negativity that people want guys not to succeed. You know, and that's that's just it's just it's it's hard to live life that way. You just want guys to succeed and, and find you know happiness, and, and you wish that for Alex Galchenyuk. Um, so moving on very quickly, we'll get to the guy that Alex Galchenyuk was traded for, <laughs> Max Domi, who has not been playing the best hockey as of late. He certainly does not look like the guy that put up 72 points last year. I mean, there's an article in the press that talked about the potential of trading him to the Minnesota wild, where he could become teammates with Alex Galchenyuk. Um, we talked about him earlier this season, and actually, when they went back and looked at it, the first game of the losing streak, of the first eight-game losing streak the Montreal Canadiens had was against New Jersey. In that game, Max Domi took a penalty when the Canadiens were on the power play, and that penalty led to the tying goal, which, unfortunately, the game was uh, won by New Jersey, as evidenced by the fact that it started a losing streak. But, you know it's kind of been that kind of a year for Max Domi after 72 points last year, we go back to episode 59 of this podcast. We talked about it and I asked, you know, was last season an, an anomaly? Was that the Max Domi that we should expect? Or was it the guy that had 45 points the year before in his last season in Arizona, which guy, who was Max Domi? Who was the real Max Domi? And you know, not to make too much out of what's been a bit of a rocky season for a lot of people, but I think we've, I think we know who the real Max Domi is, and it, it isn't the guy that put up 72 points last year. And like I said in episode 59, if you go back and listen to it, he's a guy that in the first year of his career was sixth in Calder voting. He had a really nice rookie season, and then he sort of he was injured in his second year. And then the third year wasn't the greatest. And now we're here where he had 72 points last year and he's only got 36 points in 60 games played. So I was, you know, I, I was well prepared for a regression for Max Domi because I didn't think that he was the 72 point guy, but I was expecting 
you know, between 50 and 60 points, you know, somewhere like that, where he would still be an impactful player. Um, this not not to this degree. I didn't. I wasn't expecting a regression to this degree. And and his play of late has been a little bit uninspired, hasn't it? Yeah, he's uh, Max Domi is a very emotional guy, um, and sometimes that emotion gets him in trouble, uh, taking needless penalties, and sometimes that emotion gets him in trouble with uh, his head coach, um, and. Um, He's, he's as I as I said on Twitter, he's lost right now. He doesn't look. Um, he, he's he he looks completely lost on the ice. Um, he's, you know, he, I think that we we asked uh, right at the beginning of the season. One of our issues, uh, and I think we're we're going to go back to that list because I think we've been dead yeah. on in all of the things. Um, <laughs> and one of our issues was. Um, when will uh, or or if uh, Max Domi would migrate to the wing and and um, he uh, he did for a few games and and I would say pouted uh, was is that fair uh, he yeah. prefers the the limelight of being a center in Montreal but he hasn't delivered he ta- he's not good on faceoffs and and it's funny. Uh, he talked about that about a week or so ago and said, you know, I'm a guy that's not very good at faceoffs, but that's why I love playing with Lecky because even on the lost draws, he helps win the faceoffs for us. Me, for me, saying that Arturi Lekkinen has boosted his uh, 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 Domi's uh, faceoff percentage uh, helped help that. Um, but it's um, yeah, I I I really think it was an, a. a uh, astute comment at the time uh, by you saying, you know, what is, what is the real guy? is, And if he's a 50 point guy or a 55 point guy and not a 72 point guy, uh, then all of the, you know, Oh, the, this was a slam dunk win for um, uh, uh, Mark Bergevin and how stupid could the, the Arizona coyotes be? Well, that, that kind of changes per, the perspective and, and, on, on that whole uh, situation. And um, one of the things that I found really astonishing, actually, the Canadians, where they are and where the team is and how it's been assembled, uh, it was reported that uh, uh, Jim Rutherford, just before making that trade for Zucker, inquired uh, about Max Domi with uh, Mark Bergevin and was told flatly he's not available. There was no discussion. There was no offer. It didn't even get to that point. Just flatly, uh, Mark Bergevin said, nope, not not even going to talk about it. And I, 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 I don't know. I, I think Mark Bergevin's got, in the position he's in, uh, it's got to be far more open than that. Um, and, and knowing that there are players that, that, that could step in um, uh, and take over that role if he is that 55-point player. Um, well, you know, uh, there's there's not much time left uh, until the deadline. And uh, whether it's Tatar, who is also uh, rumored to be uh, – that, that the Penguins were rumored to be interested in, in him, there's got, there's got to be um, uh, some engagement by Mark Bergevin to be open to listening to these offers because uh, that's where we are right now. That's where we are. There, there are no playoffs uh, coming, um, despite uh, the coach's wishes. Yeah, it's it's time that you you sort of face reality. And with with you know Max Domi, obviously, 
he's going to be a tough guy for the fan base to get over if they do come to the decision to trade him because, you know, he had 72 points last year. Obviously, he's a fan favorite, plays with a lot of energy. But, you know, you have a lot of guys that can do the same things that Max Domi can do and also guys that do not engage in the things that Max Domi engages, the extracurricular activities on the ice, the, you know, the desire that he has to stick up for teammates, stick up for himself, which is commendable. But for a guy that you want to produce offense, if he's in the box for any amount of time at all, if he's in the penalty box for any amount of time, I mean, that's, that's, five, that's two to five minutes where you don't have a guy that can really change a game for you. So it's, I think it's time that you engage in those, in those conversations about potentially moving on from, from a guy like Max Domi. Um, well, particularly yeah. because of, of the, the, the bad penalty kill this season. Uh, yes. And, and, yeah. and I, I don't think you or I are saying go out and trade a Max Domi. No. Because obviously it's, go, it's going to depend on, on the return and, how, and what other trades are being comp- contemplated. Yeah, uh, but you gotta listen. You just you got yes, at this yeah. point you gotta listen. For sure, and at this point, at this time of the year, if you just just have those conversations, I mean, it's it's more you're doing more for yourself by having those conversations. You're you're you know creating some avenues should you go down a road that you maybe don't expect to. But anyways, uh, we're gonna take a break here on the Canadian Connection podcast. When we come back, we're gonna discuss the injuries and all the. Uh, all the other things that have surrounded the Montreal Canadiens, uh, Shea Weber, Jonathan Drouin. Stay with us. We'll be back here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fanning. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHab when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHab.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net.
And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Um, we're just going to discuss the uh, injuries and the way that the Montreal Canadiens have handled uh, some of the injuries that they've had. Um, this week, Shea Weber was a was a topic of conversation. And uh, what what did you make of of the entire thing, Bob McKenzie? The, the silence that the Montreal Canadiens had that they, they didn't really address the Weber injury. It, it kind of led to the media speculating. Bob McKenzie was one of the media members that speculated about what Shea Weber's, you know, state was at this point, and he said it didn't look good. Nick Kiprios was a little bit more, <laughs> you know, he said that his future could be in question. But what did you make? I mean, it ended up being a four to six week high ankle sprain, which uh, isn't good news for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, but what did you make of everything surrounding that? Well, um, yeah, the, the, the way the story went, um, I, I think that the, the Montreal Canadiens um, haven't figured out in all this, this uh, commitment to, to transparency or um, they haven't figured out how to, to uh, get ahead of these stories. Um, and um, uh, for Claude Julien to be sent out there and to, to, you know, eight days into the to the injury, saying um, we have no diagnosis yet; uh, it's still too swollen. Um, uh, you know, and and then that wasn't that was that didn't go over very well. So you had Paul Wilson. Um, it, it didn't come from the Canadians account. It came from uh, the the VP of of communications, Paul Wilson. We talked about Paul Wilson getting in the restructuring, getting more responsibility. So he came out and said. We'll have no uh, further comment for the rest of the week, um, and and that only made things worse because you had, as you said, Nick Kiprios saying he was hearing that the Canadians were fearful that um, you know this was was more than just a, an ankle sprain that it it involved the the surgically repaired foot, um, and then you had Darren Drager. Um, saying, well, um, speaking of that, um, Shea Weber is being evaluated by that same doctor um, in in Wisconsin. Um, um, that's doc, Dr. Uh, Robert Anderson in Green Bay. Um, and Darren, it was Darren Dreger saying Shea Weber's meeting with uh, with him in in Wisconsin. Uh, to which uh, w- one of the uh, uh, scouts from uh, head scout, I believe from uh, hockey prospects, Jerome Brubery, uh, very funny said, uh, Darren Drager isn't the God of the Canadians. So of course <laughs> he was parroting, uh, <laughs> parroting perfectly. Claude Julian yeah. who had come out when Bob McKenzie had made his and said, Bob McKenzie is not the God of the Canadians. Silly, silly, silly comments. Uh, but the Canadians, um, their lack of transparency uh, caused this, caused um, there to be all of this, uh, you know, uh, speculation, and and uh, it was it was incredible, um, absolutely incredible, um, how poorly they handled this. Um, they, they, you know, it was. I, I've seen a, it contrasted to the way uh, Ken Holland came out and spoke about Connor McDavid's uh, injury and how open and transparent they were, uh, the Canadians were absolutely the opposite, absolutely the opposite. And that infuriated um, uh, Shea Weber, we're told, and 
and you know it was painted that Shea Weber was mad at um, the journalists for speculating. He's got to be mad at at his own organization for the way they yeah. handled this and bungled it uh, and caused uh, when there's when there's a vacuum, people are going to speculate. Um, it, you know this was a, a a tricky injury, a tricky surgery uh, for. Um, Shea Weber in July of, of 2018, it was a, a foot injury. It was tendons. Uh, there was only one guy, uh, Robert Anderson, Dr. Anderson in Green Bay, that was familiar with doing this kind of stuff. And uh, if the Canadians you know, were worried uh, that it was more than a, a, um, an ankle sprain, good on them for having it further investigated. Um, but they could be far more transparent. And it would be far easier on the player. It would be, it would be uh, go a long way to eliminate all of this um, circus that 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 transpired, and and officials coming forth from the Montreal Canadiens saying things that clearly were not true. Yeah, and when you are as silent as they were, they, there was relative silence on the subject for eight days regarding Shea Weber's status. It lends its. You you are going to have people questioning what's going on. It's not like when a child breaks a piece of furniture, like a lamp or something, and then if they don't talk about it, they just oh maybe if I don't talk about my, they won't notice that this is broken. This is a six foot four man who is your captain, who is on the ice every night against the team's best players. People are going to notice that he's not out there. So just get out in front of it, address it. Um, so I think that would have been a far more productive route than the one that they took. Um, and moving on. So Jonathan Drouin, we talked about Max Domi's struggles. Jonathan Drouin has not looked good since returning. He's got zero points. He's been a minus five in his four games uh, back in the lineup. Um, what have you made of his play? He's not been very good. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, I understand that, um, um, different people handle pain differently. Um, yeah. He he was reluctant to get back in the lineup. We talked about that last week. Um, I think that the Canadians, well, not I think, it was pretty clear that the, the Canadians, the way Claude Julien spoke about it, the way uh, it was presented on the, uh, the website, they kind of forced <laughs> uh, Duran's hand to get back in. Uh, as we know, he had been cleared for about 10 days or so by doctors before he decided um, that, and he was, you know, he was uncomfortable getting back in since he's been back in. It's been, it's been far more than, than the, uh, the wrist injury. I understand there's, there's going to be pain and and discomfort. um, And he, he, you know, he may not have, uh, the, the hands that he once had, but we've seen him just get absolutely uh, torched. Um, his skating isn't there either. Um, and of course, with a wrist injury, that's what he could have been doing. And, and he was on yeah. the ice. Uh, he has been on the ice since the 1st of January. Uh, but um, his his uh, mental errors are, are there. His... Um, doesn't seem to have um, any interest in engaging whatsoever, uh, winning battles for the puck. He he looks a lot like he looked at, at the end of last season, um, you know, February on uh, last season. 
Um, and that's not positive at all. Um, did he come back too early? I, you know, that the, the, the doctors say no, uh, maybe Duran says yes, but it doesn't seem like he has his heart in, in, in it, um, anymore. And he said that, that, you know, he's finding it tough because, um, the, the, the players are all at a, at a certain speed and he feels that he's at training camp level. Um, well, you know, he went through the training camp. He played, uh, uh, six weeks of the season. Um, so, um, I, I think it was incumbent upon him, uh, to get to the level he needed to be because he knew he was coming back in the lineup one way or the other. Um, and he just seems uh, far too gun shy and disinterested at this point. Uh, even, you know, again, with the Canadians communication, uh, they were kind of, they kind of forced his hand, but uh, he's, he's, he's not looking very good at this point, particularly with Max Domi, who's not looking very good. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's tough because I don't like to, you know, get on a guy who is coming off of an injury. But at the same time, if you part of being an athlete, part of really doing anything is still being able to function at less than 100% and still look as though you are, you know, functioning, that you are doing the things that you're supposed to be doing. And and Jonathan Drouin, if he can only provide the little glimpse of what we saw earlier this season where he was producing and more than in recent years, he was battling he was getting on the forecheck he was doing some things um it, it the production dried up and, and we stopped seeing those things just before he got hurt but he was doing them but if it took him being at 100 percent all the time for him to do that you know it's it's kind of it's kind of difficult as an athlete i think you know you should be able to after you come back and you get back in rhythm you should be able to find your footing after a little while and do some positive things to help the Montreal Canadiens. And the fact that he's minus five, that, that doesn't look good. And in four games, the fact that you're minus five, that you've been on the goal on the ice for five goals against, it's just not, it's not good. Um, and last night wasn't great for him and, uh, and Max Domi as well. It's, it's been a, it's been a tough stretch. Um, so we gave our thoughts, on the winless streak, the three-game losing streak the Montreal Canadiens are currently on. We have someone on the line that would like to uh, share their thoughts. Um, hello, uh, you're on the air. Uh, what would you like to talk about, and who are we speaking to? Hey, guys, this is Nick, and I'm calling from Italy. And, yes, as I, as I mentioned before, I would definitely love to address the major problem that uh, has plagued the Canadians, I think, throughout this season is – I'm just a, you know, I, I'm an optimistic fan, and I've been following the team for quite some time. But it seems to me that we that history keeps repeating itself, and the team keeps repeating the same mistakes. Yeah. So, so what in particular? So, what, what, what would you? What, yeah. What's your solution? What's what's uh, what, what's the source of these these issues, and 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 how would you handle it differently? Well, I mean, I think one of the major problems that I think uh, has been, especially during this season, is the fact of, you know, when we um, we find, for example, when the team scores at the very, you know, and they have a nice cushion of maybe one or two goals, they are unable to manage that advantage, and it's been yeah. and it's happened time and time again, and I, it just almost seems like 
um, the team almost sits on, you know, kind of rests on their laurels once they find those two couple of, you know, one or two goals. Case in point, it happened recently in Arizona, and it has, yeah. it has happened also previously. And it just seems like um, the team gets complacent. And I, I don't under, I don't know whether it is due to maybe Claude Julien not um, um, treating that part of the game better, as in maybe you know. In, in introducing some sort of I don't know, a better psychology team-wise. And it's like you've scored a couple of goals, but don't rest on your laurels because the, the game lasts at least 60 minutes and not 20. Yeah. And I think that's, that's been a major, major problem when it comes to that. Is it just seems that once they've, found, uh, they've, they, they've been able to find the back of the net, they kind of just rest, or should we say they just don't uh, uh, go, carry on with the same aggression in which which allowed them to find those those goals. Yeah, and, and that's a good point. And the Arizona game was a good one to point out. Also, you go back to November against the New York Rangers. They're up four to one in the third period, and they let they let that one slip as well. So it's it's been a problem. Yeah, you, you've you've pointed out a really big problem here. It's that the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, we see against the Toronto Maple Leafs playing from behind. Not so much the problem. Playing with an advantage. Playing with a lead. That has been the issue. That has been the Achilles heel for the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, very much so. And plus, you know, you guys were, uh, were talking about this earlier, about, for example, Jonathan Drouin being uh, mismanaged, as in he might have not been ready to come back. And interestingly enough, I think um, during the time of Drouin's absence, the team almost seemed to play better. And I almost think to myself, mm. why do you want to mess with that? As in, yeah. if it's broke, don't fix it. Or it all put him in gradually, but I think he was just almost raced to the to the uh, lineup way too quickly. And I think if the team is clicking and you don't know what your chances are of making the postseason, and and he and maybe Duran himself is not a hundred percent certain of of what he's doing and stuff. Let the guy rest some more and carry on with what is working. As I think one big problem with Claude Julien, and I love Claude Julien, I have a lot of respect for him, but he tends to want to juggle too much when it comes to the lineup, when it comes to the team. It's like you found a winning solution. Don't mess with it. Nick, uh, we really appreciate your call. And before you go, um, you said you're in Italy. Uh, tell us uh, how you became a Can- uh, Canadian's fan and, and, and how, what it's like to follow the team uh, being so far away? Well, I've I actually been following the team since Niklas Sundstrom came over to play over here for the Milan Vipers when, when we still had a hockey wow. team at the time. And wow. obviously yeah. I was a huge... I, I, you know, I would follow them from afar, and as we got Sundstrom, and I was a huge fan of his, it was wonderful to have a, a Habs player come over. And it, it sort of grew from there, because then uh, once, if there was a woman involved, I have to be honest, I actually... Um, Got, got with a, um, a French-Canadian girl from Montreal. And so she kind of, um, uh, should we say, taught, instructed me more on the whole concept of, of Montreal <laughs> Canadians and, and, and all that. It takes a woman, you know. And, and from yeah. there, you know, it's just been a love affair ever, ever since. You know, I, I, unlike you guys, you know, I have to watch the games at one in the morning. And I usually end yeah. up going to bed like about three or four, but I do it with with uh, with with love and with dedication because it's it's just a wonderful team, and um, I'm probably one of the few people amongst my friends who even follows hockey or even has you know <laughs> even supports hockey because Italy is obviously more known for soccer rather than anything yeah. else. But but yes, I absolutely love them, and yes, I've been following them pretty much yes since since Niklas Sundstrom.
Well, listen, well, we're thrilled yeah. that you follow hockey. We're thrilled that you followed the Montreal Canadiens, and we're thrilled that you called the Canadiens Connection podcast. Uh, you're welcome here anytime, uh, and we're glad that uh, we're able to get you on the show today. Uh, well, the pleasure was certainly mine, and congrats on everything that you guys do. You are insightful and entertaining, and it's a pleasure to listen to you guys every single week. Uh, we we appreciate that, Nick. So thank you for calling us, and thank you for chiming in on what you think has been the uh, have been the major issues for the Montreal Canadiens this year. Um, so we're going to take a quick break here on the Canadiens Connection podcast. When we return, we'll tee up the game tonight, Stars and Habs. So stay with us here on the Canadiens Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas, sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. I'd like to thank Nick again for joining us, sharing his thoughts on the Montreal Canadiens, uh, the issues that uh, have plagued them this season. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, he was quite right in pointing out that they haven't played well with leads. Um, they haven't been able to capitalize on opportunities when they are given them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, can't, uh, can't argue with that. Um, but they're going to look tonight to – get back in the in, in the win column with a game against the Dallas Stars. Uh, so, Rick, what do you expect out of tonight's game, given, I mean, last week they play on Hockey Night in Canada against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Maybe they get back on a Saturday night. They're, they might feel a little bit better about themselves. I don't know. It's looking, grasping for straws at this point for a, a good performance from the Canadians. But uh, it, it's going to be difficult on the second night of a back-to-back to really uh, expect much from them. Well, remember from from 
day one when when we started to talk about this season, we talked about the roller coaster. We talked about the unpredictability of this team, and and um, I, you know, uh, with with Dallas coming in, uh, they've been they they're rested, they're 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 uh, waiting, um, and they ha- obviously have a bit more to to play for, maybe. Um, yeah. Uh, with uh, uh, so uh, I I expect the Canadians to probably win tonight, be- just because they're not supposed to, right? Um, yeah. And 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 maybe just maybe. Uh, that that the players have realized that, uh, and I think they've they've realized this some time ago, that the um, that the playoffs are are out of reach. And and I know that um, again. Um, I, I just want to go back to that. We, we we've been saying since about the the uh, the beginning of, of of the new year that the play the playoffs were kind of out of reach, and, and that's not to be negative. That's not to be. It's just to to provide a kind of realistic view. And I kind of went back and looked as far as the playoffs. Um, when was the last time that the Canadians actually had a legitimate chance to to uh, to to be in the playoff conversation and you have to go back to November, kind of mid November, um, their, their, their chances of making the playoffs peaked when they beat Washington five to um, November 15th, their chances of making the playoffs were 78% at that point. And it was looking pretty good. Um, then you, you fast forward a couple of uh, weeks and uh, they had lost to the Bruins three, one, um, uh, December 1st, their, their chances of making the playoffs are 20% falling, uh, by, uh, just before the Christmas break, they beat the, the Winnipeg jets, uh, playoff chances bumped up to 40%. Um, but it was that January, uh, spell and they lost to Winnipeg again on the 6th of January. And that was the uh, their their playoff chances went below ten percent. When you go below ten percent, that's really hard to come back from, particularly at that time of the year. And people were talking about St. Louis and all of that. But um, since January sixth, their playoff chances have kind of hovered. Um, well, they've been they've been below ten percent. Um, it was funny because that January sixth game, I, I, I remember it against Winnipeg. Uh, lost to Winnipeg 3-2, and it was just after that that Elliot Friedman said, something's coming. I feel something big's coming. Not saying that Julian's going to be fired, but the Montreal Canadiens have to do something big to um, get back into the playoff uh, picture. And, of course, they didn't. There was the the primo call-up and whatnot, which was just window dressing. Uh, But the Canadiens did not. And, And I think at that point, Bergevin was signaling that um, we're we're going to play the long game. We're not going to go for the play. Despite what he was saying um, publicly, uh, I think the Canadians n- have known that, that this has been over for a while, at least internally. Um, and that's kind of what we've, we were presenting. Not again, not to be negative, but to be, to provide a, a, a realistic view. And um, yeah. that's, that's where we're headed now. And, 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 and the positive side of that is Mark, Bergevin has an opportunity, um, a big opportunity that he has to take advantage. Players that um, uh, maybe w- wouldn't necessarily have a, a value otherwise now have some play- a, a value for playoff-bound teams, and he has to um, I- exploit that advantage that he has right now 
running up to the trade deadline. Yeah, and the trade deadline, uh, February 24th, um, it's it's going to be a, an interesting period for the Montreal Canadiens. I think that it's if you're not doing something on trade deadline day, then you're not accomplishing anything. So it's it's good to be active on trade deadline day, and especially for Montreal right now. I think you have a lot of guys that you can move on from, and you can get some assets, potentially get some flexibility for this offseason when you acquire assets that you can potentially flip in, in other trades or just free up some money that you can spend on some, some guys in, in free agency. Who knows? Who knows what road the Montreal Canadiens will take, but uh, I would certainly like them to be an active team. I think that might be the best course of action for them uh, to be, to be active on trade deadline day and leading up to trade deadline day. Um, it's always good to be proactive in that way. Uh, but yeah, Rick, so Montreal in action tonight, the Laval Rocket not playing tonight. They are idle, um, but the, uh, they are playing the uh, Providence Bruins tomorrow. Um, so, I mean, they have a tough act to follow given we just saw the NHL matchup between the, uh, the Bruins and the Canadians, all the bad blood that, uh, that, that happened in that game. But uh, it's, it's how have the Spurry Cut community, Laval Rocket, fared over the last little while since we last spoke about them? Well, we know that that uh, Kakinami um, uh, uh, all, all of a sudden started to uh, get on the assist train, um, and yeah. uh, was was pretty good with uh, with Charles Houdon, and and um, uh, you know it's been good for him playing a lot of minutes. But the the issue there is that the Laval Rocket are absolutely desperate to make the playoffs. The Canadians organization. And, and let's be honest, let's be right up front here. It's one of the reasons that the, that Mark Bergevin sent the trio down to Laval is to, to boost their playoff chances. Uh, trio being Kakinami and Paling and um, Fleury. Um, but in their last 10, the Canadian, uh, the uh, Laval Rocket have only won two games. Um, they're now, uh, as we as we stand today, out of the playoff picture, uh, sixth place in the North Division, a um, uh, couple points uh, back of of the Marlies, who have three games in hand. Um, so that's not particularly good news. And and um, you know there, there's 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 a lot of pressure because the Cana- the Canadians need a good news story uh, from um, somewhere in their organization. Uh, that uh, you know the, these guys have to perform, and and uh, and the um, the head coach has been a little critical of of the new arrivals, saying that you know it's disrupted the the team chemistry, and and that you know uh, blue collar guys are the ones that that um, he likes to to deal with, not first round draft choices. So um, it's 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 a tough environment, um, but. Uh, for all the uh, the coverage on the Laval Rocket, on on the AHL, on on all the prospects, um, just uh, follow uh, the AHL report. Amy Johnson, Chris G. Um, they'll every game um, they tweet. Uh, there's a game re- recap, um, and Chris G. has his Rocket notepad uh, that appears weekly. Weekly, and we also have the From the Press Box uh, podcast every Tuesday. Amy Johnson and I look at uh, all of that news and, and um, listen, we, we um, for all of our coverage, we want to hear from you just as Nick uh, called in and, and you're welcome to call in 
uh, live during the show. But if you have comments uh, otherwise, text us. Our Rocket Sports text line is, is always open 24 hours a day, 5853-ROCKET, 5853-ROCKET. And uh, just quickly, if I can find it, um, there was uh, a text. Um, I, I do want to uh, mention the text from, from Dino. Um, and here it is. Uh, a few of them, um, and and uh, this weekend, and and Dino uh, has has seen a lot of hockey. He knows about the the Canadians Bruins rivalry, and mm-hmm. he just said uh, the Bostonians were too strong for us. Um, <laughs> and and um, he mentioned Jonathan Duran saying, uh, "Is it a coincidence since the comeback of our '92 that we don't have any wins? Uh, he's very talented, but he doesn't work too hard very." Often he plays an individualistic game. Um, and he also, he's hoping for a uh, resignation to be submitted uh, by Mark Bergevin. I don't think that's the way he's going to go out, but uh, that's what yeah. uh, uh, Gino would like, uh, or sorry, Dino would like. Um, and he um, has, says that uh, the Saturday game, that's the Canadians uh, stars game and we we queued that up is going to be the best performance of the week all right well i mean listen if 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 we get the best performance of the week tonight we'll we'll take it on the second night of a back-to-back i mean montreal canadians desperate if if they are still indeed on this on this train that they want to make the playoffs then they're they're going to need to start winning sooner rather than later and get off of this three-game losing streak can't let it let it extend to four so definitely need to get a win tonight but yeah, as Rick said, follow along all halves tonight. You can follow me on Twitter at JoeWhalen19. And for the Laval Rocket coverage, you can follow at the AHL Report. And uh, certainly you can listen to the, uh, the AHL Report press uh, podcast Excuse me, from the Press Box, which is one of our uh, two podcasts produced and hosted by credential journalists um, that you can find on Overcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, all your favorite podcast platforms. Um, but yeah, we'll be back next week discussing all things Montreal Canadiens and see where this roller coaster takes us next. So thank you for tuning into the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and visit allhabs.net.